This podcast's only purpose is for informational use. It is not a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Investing in the market is risky and past performance is not indicative of future results. The topics covered today reflect the opinions of my own and any guest that I have. Our opinions should not influence any trading maneuver in the market. In this episode, I talk about side hustles and investing basics with Max, aka the average investor. Congratulations, you don't know me, but you will. You got the beans. Welcome back to episode 31 of the Two Cents 20 Year Old Podcast, the podcast where I talk about the things that you should be thinking about when it comes to your money. Yes, this is the podcast where I talk about the things that you should be thinking about when it comes to your money, but sometimes I bring a guest on who knows much more than I do, and I try to get their two cents on questions that I have when it comes to my own finances, as well as questions that I think are applicable to really anyone in my audience. Today, I was lucky enough to get Max on the podcast. Max is also known as the average investor on TikTok and YouTube. Max has had massive success on TikTok from starting his page in December to now sitting at over 300,000 followers and dozens of videos that have gone viral under his belt. Max is one of those people that you meet and is super candid and willing to answer any questions that you may have regarding money and investing, uh, which made this episode one of the best episodes yet. In this episode, we discuss side hustles, investing basics, quitting your nine to five job, college, meme stocks, and so much more great content in this one episode. This episode was incredible, and I hope you guys get as much value from this episode as I did just from spending a few hours with Max. Make sure to check him out on TikTok and YouTube at The Average Investor. His content is incredible and definitely should be on everyone's watch list. Without further delay, let's get right into it. This episode with Max, aka The Average Investor, starts now. All right, we have Max from The Average Investor. Max, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Absolutely, man. I am so pumped to be here. Super excited. This is going to be an awesome episode for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. We have some awesome stuff to cover today. Uh, but before we get into any of it, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do on social media and outside of social media. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Max London. Go by the average investor. And I'd say that's my new personal passion hmm. um, on social media. I love personal finance, have always fell in love with that. I think since I was 16, I really became you know a big fan of numbers. So that's my current passion that I'm pushing is personal finance. Um, other side incomes inside businesses are social media manager, um, vintage you know, e-commerce seller, um, just a personal investor as well as love music too. But yeah, that's that's really you know what I'm really pushing right now. Um, but yeah, uh, this is gonna be great because I just quit my nine to five job. That's so, right. That's right. Uh, super excited to dive into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely gonna be covering that one hundred percent. And I honestly didn't even know any of that other stuff about you with the the e commerce and the other side hustles. And we will definitely have to cover that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, the, the first question that I have actually is because before we got onto this call, we mentioned it a little bit over text uh, about you actually quitting your nine to five, which is awesome. And uh, so, so go over that a little bit. What was the process like? When did you really come to terms with it where you're like, maybe it's time for me to be done with the nine to five? Yeah. So I can tell you the first time that even entered my mind is the first day that I even signed to a nine to five job. <laughs> so my mind is, <laughs> my mind is very much 
I want to be the business owner. Um, I want to be at the helm of the ship. So my failures, I take full you know, responsibility for as well as my, you know, my progression and my success. So I knew the employee stage in my life was only going to be a stepping stone, um, really just to get some, you know, income and something stable and steady while I'm really figuring out my side hustles. Um, But, and and I'll actually, actuality. um, So I was basically a sales lead for a startup fintech company. So I I had a team beneath me, um, everyone older than myself, all super talented. Um, Absolutely love them on a personal level. I think they're all phenomenal. Uh, but actually what I've done is when I say I've quit my nine to five job, I actually still work for the company that I'm, I'm working for, but now as a consultant. So really mm-hmm. it's lifestyle design in the sense where I was comfortable with still working with them. And especially since I was, I think if not, I think I was the top performer coming into this year. So they don't want to lose me as an employee. So I was like, let's see if we can find a mutually beneficial relationship. Mm-hmm. So I was basically like, I will do this. And I actually was offered, you know, a, a better step up. And they said, what are your thoughts on that? And basically the summary was, I think I want to quit, um, which is like, not the, <laughs> which is not the, uh, <laughs> not what they expected. Not I'm the sure. answer they were looking no, for. No. Yeah. It, it was not the answer they were looking for, but I was saying, um, what I really need in my stage right now is that more money, it's more time. Hmm. Um, and time to focus on my side hustles, um, push my dreams and my passions beyond just a couple hours before and after work. So now I'm more working as a consultant on my own time, anywhere at any time. So I have no schedule whatsoever. It's all performance based. So the beauty of that is I can be working in Nashville where I currently am. I could be working in Spain, Argentina, and a van traveling across the United States I have no bounds mm-hmm. and it's honestly beautiful. So when I say I've quit my nine to five job, I've more just shaped it in a way that works better for my schedule and my liking. Mm-hmm. So now I have the design of I'm out of the nine to five job, still working as a consultant and a contractor for this company. Um, but now I don't have to sit there from nine to five. There's no time barrier, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, you're basically the embodiment of the dream of pretty much everyone my age. Like, the, 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 I think the goal that has been widespread is that, you know, they don't want to go to an office nine to five and you're literally living that life. That's what you're doing right now. You've basically hustled your way up to the point where you can leverage because you're, you're a good employee. They didn't want to lose you and you're able to leverage that fact. So we did mention a little bit with your side hustles, but what's, what's next for you? So my first side hustle I ever started is when I was 16 and it's still one that I still use to the to this day. It's selling vintage clothing. I love vintage clothing. I think it's like super cool. The novelty of, you know, time and clothing and still have the same style, you know, switching it up. I think that's really, really cool. Um, I was literally buying stuff at Goodwill, thrift stores, um, garage sales, and then flipping them um, on the side. And I remember from the start, I was like, this could really be something. Cause people would always ask me, where'd you get that shirt? Where'd you get those pants? Where'd you get that jacket? I was like, well, I can see the market demand here in my school and like my immediate friend group and, you know, the city that I grew up in. So I was like, I could probably expand this to a larger audience. And that's exactly what I did then. So that is still a side income for me. My, my largest one is social media manager for, for people, because as you saw, and what we'll touch on is the TikTok growth really quickly. People are like, teach me. And I was like, well, I'll go better than that. I can actually do it for you. I can help you grow. 
Um, obviously, you know, for a return of, you know, money and teaching, walking them exactly through why and what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. Um, and that I have, I think, three clients now from that. Um, but my, my heart, pride and joy is the personal finance thing. So the average investor, I really, really, really want to be pushing how to teach financial freedom so you can focus on the things that you truly love, mm-hmm. um, getting people out of debt and investing for the long term so they don't have to stay at their nine to five job and stay away from the things that they truly love. Mm-hmm. That is what I'm really, really focusing on right now. That's like one of my lower income streams. It's I think it's like sixth out of seventh on the list right now. So I need to get that back up. But um, that's going to take time and I'm, and I'm completely invested. And I know if it's my passion and there's a lot of value there, I know I'll catch fire at a certain point. I think what you just said there is absolutely crucial to personal finance because what you just said was you want to harness the ability to basically understand personal finance, be able to invest, save, all that type of stuff so that you don't have to work a nine to five job your whole life. And I, I obviously, I don't know your own personal finance situation, but I'm assuming you're not in debt. You don't have these massive expenses every month. Like you're able Correct. to take control of that so that when you wanted to quit your nine to five, you don't have anything that's holding you back from doing that. You don't have a super expensive car, a super expensive apartment, you know, a vacation home, whatever else. I think that with personal finance, like I, I say it a lot because it's so true and it really rings true for me is um, when you start making money, when you get a real, a real job for like my age group, it would be considered a real mm-hmm. job and you're making more money those expenses, you need to keep them down in order to keep that margin. That's like the biggest thing for me in personal finances, Facts. making more money, but not spending more. Like that's, that's crucial. The expenses need to stay down while you make more money. And then you're, you're free to do whatever you want later in life so that you're not forced to stay Absolutely. in that nine to five job. I think that's extremely crucial. Having that lifestyle inflation, when you start progressing through a job, you think, oh, okay, now I'm getting $800 more this month. I can now do these things. But if you just forgot about that promotion, now you're just gonna be able to invest more and more and more and save more and more and more faster. And I think that is extremely crucial. And especially with like our age group, and I know we'll touch on this a little bit later, but when you see all these quick cash and these quick schemes on TikTok and social media, you think, okay, well, I'm gonna take this money and I'm gonna do really risky things with it. And just to get more money so you can buy more expensive things. And I think that, that loop that i mean i guess that rat race is dangerous it, is extremely dangerous so uh, right now my expenses i think um i'm actually not going to be i'm in like a, a nicer apartment now i'm not going to be in this and starting august i'm trying to get into the house hacking so you know buying mm-hmm. a duplex living on one side um renting out the other mm-hmm. that's in actually building equity in it yeah, yeah. that's that's something i want to be diving into so i'm not throwing away my money anymore, but I think it was a great step getting settled into a new city. Um, but I completely agree. If you don't fall into that lifestyle inflation, when you start progressing in your job and your nine to five, and you forget that you even got that promotion, you're going to be able to save and invest so much more. It's kind of hard being a personal finance guy who talks about it on social media, because you don't want to push anything on people that they don't want like to Absolutely. learn about, to know about. So, but it, but saving and investing, I feel like everyone should be doing it. It's just like, why would you want to work a job that you hate your whole life? Because that's the fear of my entire, like our entire generation is they don't want to be stuck in a job that they hate, but they could do, be doing something so simple like mastering how to save, mastering how to budget. And it's like, none of this stuff is complex and it literally saves you from doing things that you don't want to do in life. Because if you can afford the things that you have and you know, you're, you're, not, you're not over leveraged with debt, then you, you just have more freedom in life and you can travel and you can do all that type of stuff. 
Um, Absolutely. Speaking of then being over leveraged, um, college actually. Did you go to college? And if you did, what was your experience and like what was the debt payoff? What what was that whole situation for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so actually, before I was I was in high school, and I remember telling my parents because like I already started a business, and I was like, I don't need to go to college. Like I was like so set on it, I will just figure it out. I sat down with them and I was like, look, guys, I do not need to go to college. But if you truly think that it's the best form and the best route to go, I'll do it. If it's on your buck, I will not go into debt. You know, I don't want to take that debt. And I would be extremely fortunate, obviously, if they'll say, no, we want you to go and we'll pay for it. Um, Then I was obviously going to try as hard as I could. So in um, high school, I tried, grinded, um, tried to get really good grades. I went to Wake Forest University, went to the business school there. Um, which is like, I guess it's in the top 50 business schools on like rankings. And it's, I, you know, it's a good business school, but I can tell you so many things I didn't learn there that I learned in my side hustles and my businesses. It was cool for me because I could apply exactly what I was taking from classes and courses right into my side income. Biggest thing was accounting. That was like, okay, now I understand the language of business. That was massive, like absolutely massive for me. Um, But I I think you learn so much more going out and doing it than just trying to study for a test. Mm -hmm. I think that is super crucial. If you are thinking about going to college, starting a side income can apply what you're learning in class right to the business firsthand, not on just a test, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Oh, hundred percent. And what you said with the accounting, I completely relate to that. It's one of the only classes that I take because I've taken, I'm on my second class of accounting. So it's like, I went with financial accounting first and now I'm at managerial accounting. So it's a little bit more like in-depth kind of complex mm-hmm. uh, accounting systems within businesses. And, you know, I, I'm not super excellent at math, so it's not my favorite thing. But yeah. um, when I first took accounting, I remember being so like, oh, this is actually insanely awesome because it's it's talking about like uh, the debt that the company has. It's talking about the balance sheets, the income statements. And I'm like, this is all stuff that like I feel super interested in but I'm just not good at it, but I still kept working at it. I was like, this is interesting, but I'm just not good at math. Um, so it was a little bit of that that trade-off, but what you said with the accounting applying, it's so true. And a side note there, I was horrible at managerial accounting. Like I- I'm terrible like the, at it. I'm horrible at Horrible. It. I was I, horrible with it. Thank God I, I passed and like got through it, but financial you know, accounting was a little bit stronger for me. Yeah, and that's right. like filing for taxes, like yeah. knowing like, different types of expenses. These are liabilities. These are assets. Mm -hmm. That was really crucial for me. And I remember just like telling my friends, I'm like, guys, this is super, super powerful. If you wanted to start your own side hustle, because now you'll know how to crunch the numbers. Now you know where every single dollar is going. It's like, you're not wasted potential there, but you would be able to jump into that boat so easily if you wanted to start a side hustle, because Mm -hmm. now you understand the mechanics behind it. And I think like that was crucial for me. Besides that accounting, maybe a couple topics in finance. Um, there's not really anything that jumped out at me that was like, that was really, really worth it. Yeah. Uh, besides me actually going out and doing it. You know what I mean? Like going out and actually trying it on my own. Absolutely. I learned so much more just doing that. It's that question of is college for everyone? Can this actually be applicable in, in real life? Should I be paying tens of thousands of dollars for this when in reality, you know, you could just find a mentor at a startup and then learn it that way. And then just can, but you know, it's situations are different for everyone. I 100% believe that, but, um, transitioning that into the next question, would you agree that either both a college or a nine to five isn't for everybody? I think just what you said, it's all situational. I think 
some people like I'm, I'm, I'm anti nine to five personally, but that's just my mindset, my situation, my skills and talents and traits. If you love your nine to five, you could tell me to shut up and you live the happiest life possible. I'm so cool with that. I think there is a stigma against nine to five jobs where it's like, get out the nine to five, get out the rat race. I know tons of people that love their nine to five job would mm-hmm. not trade it for the world. Those people are like hacks on life. Five, like, I love my nine to five job. I can't wait to come into work. Those people were on the same page in terms of the people that hate their nine to five job and want to get out of it. I think you start building the solutions on the side. So you have an option to jump to, because you don't want to jump ship and just to an open water and possibly drowns. I think you need to start building up that life raft on the side before you jump over. And then you can build confidence and it's not as, as risky. I think the risk risk mitigation and finding ways to make the jump of in the leap of faith easier and not as risky is key when it comes to the nine to five job. So if you're someone who loves your nine to five job, you know, skip ahead in the podcast. If you're someone that does, you know, want to get out of that nine to five job, like rat race, I would highly recommend the four hour work week. I'm rereading it for like the third time. Now I think that book is like the guide and the handbook to quitting the nine to five job, but sitting around, and complaining and not doing any actions will not get you out of that rat race. Mm. Um, and like in my situation, like you mentioned earlier, the better of an employee you are, the more negotiation you're going to have with your boss, because if you're killing it, they don't want you to go. So you say, I will stay on these terms. And now you have the leverage. So definitely if you do not, if you're not happy with your nine to five job, start doing something that you're passionate in, like a podcast, YouTube channel, a startup business, anything, start building that life raft on the side. So when you do jump ship, you have something to land on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's something that Gary Vee's huge on is like anything that he's saying isn't applicable if you're happy. Like if you have a nine to five job and, you, and you're loving it, you have two kids, you have a house, you love the stability, the constant flow of income, like it's, it's dependable. You aren't stressed all the time. Then the nine to five is completely fine. He's not complaining. We're not complaining at all. But if you are complaining, if you don't want that nine to five, if it's not for you, there are millions of other ways to figure it out for yourself. Like it, there's just, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough because I'm on the side of people who are coming up and they've actually never really worked a nine to five. Like they've never had that type of job before. So they don't really know. They just have a feeling that they aren't going to like it. But it's like, yes, who knows? Like you might like the idea of going to work five days a week and having weekends off. Like, you know, you shouldn't write anything off in life. But, um, you know, it is with the new generations coming up like us, like there are so many capabilities with the Internet, with social media. Like there's just so many different things that you could do. How did you start investing in what really drew you to it? Like for me, it was, you know, investing movies like The Big Short. Uh, What drew you to it? Great question. Um, so falling back on the, the side hustle that I started, the e-commerce business, I was running that, I was on my second year of doing it, reinvesting pretty much all my profits back into the business. I would, you know, make a sale. How can I grow this business? How can I get this going? Um, I found that the business was great monetarily. Wasn't where my passion was though. Something I liked, not something I necessarily loved for the long term. So now is that a crossroad? Do I keep investing in that? Or do I invest in something else like either index funds, ETF stocks? Um, didn't even know what any of those things really were, but I was like, should I go into the stock market? Um, I guess was my, my fork in the road was business or stock market. And I remember watching a video of, I think it was Tim Ferriss and Ramet Sethi. And he was talking about index funds, ETFs, 
target date funds. And I was like, what is all this? I got really curious and really interested. That's when I read the book, I'll Teach You How to Be Rich by Ramet Sethi. I, I was him. sold ever since. Love him. He's one of my that favorites. That book was like prime. That was prime for me. I, I remember reading that book, set up my Vanguard, uh, set up my Roth IRA. I was like, I'm sold. Just started then. And it's one of those things, the hardest thing is starting. And definitely take all the time, get your due diligence in, make sure you're researching, don't invest anything you're not sure of, but just starting, whether it's reading a book, listening to people that are much smarter than you, millionaires, billionaires, seeing what works for them. And then you start. I think that part is like the hardest thing. But once I started, I was hooked. I was like, now I'm building a budget. Now I'm adding this to how can I invest in my Roth IRA every single month? Once I've maxed out my Roth IRA, how can I invest in other things? Um, let me try to take a risk with a smaller portion of my portfolio. How did that work out? Okay, that was horrible. I won't do that again. I'll do something else. <laughs> um, that's kind of like my mindset with it. But I really read that book and it gave me hope for financial freedom. So instead of investing in a business that I wasn't 100% passionate in, I invested in something that was safer and you know, a long-term play to give me more buffer time to figure out what I truly am passionate in. And what it was, was really personal finance. So you could open the doors to life. Yeah. Um, and something I, I thought of then, which we were kind of touching on earlier is when it comes to the nine to five life, my biggest fear for people is trading time for money. Mm. That concept right there is just like, it scares me. Like just thinking like how much time you're trading for money. And is that time worth the, the price of you coming in nine to five, Monday through Friday. Because if you can do something like YouTube, I'm sure you've probably seen like um, Graham Stephan when the first year he was working super low hourly rate on YouTube. Now he makes like a million dollars a year from it's it. Ridiculous. And yeah. that progression right there, if you're doing a linear job where it's like every a year and a half, I'm going to get promoted or every couple of months, I'm going to get promoted. That's like linear climb. Yeah. That Graham Stephan's YouTube channel, exponential, mm -hmm. exponential. One year you're making 30, $40,000. Next year, you're making $500,000. Next year, you're making a million. Like you're doubling each year. That right there, that time to that money ratio, investing your time and getting that type of money out of it. That's what I really think is cool. But my fear is just when you, when you're 80 years old and you turn around and you looked back when you're 20, 18, wherever you are in life and you go, was that decision worth it? Was it, was it the play to stay complacent or not complacent, but in your comfortable zone at that nine to five job? Or did you take that risk when you could? And I remember I was in that fork of the road in the middle of January. I was telling my dad that, and I was like, I just won't be able to live with myself if I didn't give it a, give it a rumble. You know what I mean? Go give it a shot. And there will always be jobs out there. So let's say I, I took this leap of faith. Luckily, I still have an in with the job that I'm currently working, but Let's say I do that and I fail horribly, land straight on my face. That's all right. We'll, re we'll regroup, pivot, or go back to the nine to five job mm -hmm. until I come up with something else. Life's long. I think people think it, yeah. exactly. And like, I think it's like an all or nothing mindset, but really in my situation, again, lifestyle design, give it a shot. Did that work? Reevaluate, do something about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like extremely crucial, but yeah, that was just a rabbit hole down from the, <laughs> how did you start? But yes, the time for money I think is like a crucial thing, a crucial mm -hmm. thing. That's what I love about content creation and having this power, this independent power to actually, you know, whatever work ethic you want every day, that's what you're going to get out of it. So it's like, if you're putting in three, four, five, six, seven, eight hours a day into content creation, if that's what you're working on, 
then it's going to eventually work out. Like yeah. I 100% think that that is true. It's like the more you work on the thing that you're passionate about, the quicker you're going to get to your goal. If you put the work in, if your intent is good, then uh, you, you, there's no other option for you than to just succeed. Uh, go over your absolutely insane explosion on TikTok where you're now sitting at over 300,000 followers. Wild is the only thing, like the only thing I can say about it. It's just, it's absolutely wild. Started my TikTok page December 13th. I've had the idea of average investor just because I love personal finance. Again, want to teach financial freedom so people can focus on what they truly love. I've had this idea for a couple of months and um, I was just like, let me give it a shot. And I was thinking like, what should I start out on? I know YouTube's my my platform that I want everyone to eventually go to. That's the ultimate goal is where I want people to land on because that's where I can give the most value. Did you start your YouTube before or after your TikTok? So I started the YouTube page actually before. Um, didn't post any videos on it though. I just wanted to get the, like, get it set up, get the branding, right. Um, get the, get the name, have like the, I guess the start on paper is basically the YouTube channel. I didn't post any videos on it though. Um, I think I started in the middle of last year, didn't post anything on it. December 13th is the day that I made my TikTok page. I had three followers on that Monday. It was me well, like my personal page, my best friend, and my girlfriend, that was it, three <laughs> people. And on that Monday, I had 100,000 followers. I mean, sorry, the next Monday. So Monday to Monday, 100,000 followers. That's insane. And I remember telling my dad, I was like, I'm, I know this is going somewhere. I can feel it. Like, I just know next day, viral video, I'm just sitting there refreshing the feed. I'm like, there's no way. There's actually no way this, this has happened to me. I don't, I don't deserve it. It's like in my mind because I just started, but like, that TikTok algorithm, as much as Gary Vee preached it years ago, he's like, the organic growth is wild. You can start with nothing and build an empire so quickly. And it's so true. And that like luck in it is just, it's mind blowing because like when I started, I think I watched one of your videos, followed you like right when I, right when I was getting, I mean, it was like a weekend. I followed you. I followed like Freddie finance. I, I followed like everyone um, that kills the game on TikTok. And when I, when I was blowing up, all I was seeing was like these little send notifications pulling up in the right because they were following me back. So now I could now message them. Yeah. And I was like, what? I was like, there's, there's no way. Um, absolutely insane. But now my mindset is now I still have zero followers. That's how I like think about it. Like, even though I have 300,000, it's like, keep it set at zero and now try to get another 300,000 starting from zero. That's like that mindset will just keep you hungry. And you just got to keep pushing, keep pushing. Like it, you don't know which one's going to take off. It's like always the most random one. Exactly. And when it does, you're like, cool. You're like, awesome. Great. Back to the drawing board. But you're like the ones that you spend hours on and they just flop. You're oh. like, it's like such like a sucker punch to the face, but you just got to keep feeding the machine. Um, but my ultimate goal is to use TikTok as the funnel on the top. And this is for anyone that's listening to this, that has a side income, side hustle. They have their own small business. Using TikTok as the top portion of your funnel, getting all new viewers in, siphoning them down to your website, to your YouTube page, to your Etsy, to your eBay, getting people down into that funnel and the thing that you ultimately want to focus on. So mine is YouTube. I, again, think that's one of the most value I can give people is YouTube. The algorithm on there is great once you're really catching fire. I'm not there yet. So TikTok is my way. So I'm just funneling people through that TikTok funnel down into the YouTube page. But absolutely insane um, is the only way I can 
you know, the words that come to mind when you go from zero to 300,000 followers in technically two months, like that is insane because I'm, I'm used to, I have like uh, out of my Instagram pages for my e-commerce, they average up to close to 300,000 followers. And that's five years in the making. Yeah. So to see that again, I'm like, what in the world? Why have I not been doing this? Yeah. I, like I'm just an idiot for not starting earlier, but the best time to start, you know, was yesterday, but today is the second best. So I was like, let's just do it. Let's just go and wild. So just keep going. That's, that's the only thing I can tell people is just no down my mind, just giving value to people and keep posting and be consistent and know that your light is at the end of the tunnel. That's what, that's what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember the day that you followed me back. It's, it's so funny that like from your perspective that you were following, like, I, I won't say us. Cause I don't feel like I'm a part of like that massive personal finance, like over a hundred thousand yes, dollars. Cause in my personal not, opinion, you are, <laughs> I appreciate that. But when you followed me back, like, I think I was sitting next to my brother on the couch. I was like, there's no way. I was like, it was like, it was like you, Freddie Finance, Tanya, and I think a couple other people um, from personal finance followed me back. I lost my mind. I was like, these guys, I, I think you were like 150,000 followers at the time. I was yeah. like, these guys have like over 50K followers. You had over 150K. Tanya had like 30K. Freddie Finance had like 70. I was like, this is insane. I was like, they're, they're following me back. This is ridiculous. I was like, I'm going to get all of them on the podcast. And, uh, and, I mean, like, and like you said about the top of the funnel, that's literally what I've used TikTok for. Like I started my TikTok, I think it was November 1st exactly. And the thousands of listeners that I've had from the podcast, all from TikTok. Like uh, my mom is the only one who's not on TikTok that listens to the podcast. Yeah. Every other listener that I've ever had has been from TikTok or like a mutual friend of mine. So I, I 100% agree with that because, and like you said, I just wish I started months beforehand. If you have a side hustle, if you have a goal for something, going on TikTok, posting content about it, telling your story, that's how you get people to pay attention. That's how you get people to care. Um, yeah. And I 100% and agree. Just on that point of like, should I start now? I was thinking in December, looking at Graham Stephan, um, Andre Zik and Cash College are like my three favorite YouTubers that I've like follow and like absolutely just indulge in their content. I'm like watching them and I'm, and people I think get discouraged when there's already a top 10 that's really dominating the niche. And you're like, no way I could be there. Like they've already, they've been doing this for years. No way I can be there. And like to start now and something that I'd say the personal finance, you know, niche is like really, I mean, there's a lot of people in it. So to really break away is daunting at first, but you just got to give it a shot. And I think where I play in is like, I just try to give them as much value, everything I know for free, just give it away. Just to anyone and everyone that wants to listen. Um, and I think you'll, that will be reciprocated. I really do. And I think like people will fall for authenticity. I think people will fall for, um, you know, pointing out your flaws saying like, I want to start doing this. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm bad at. All those things go a really long way. And I also think I sit in a little middle of the market where I'm a financer myself. Like I love, I crank audiobooks. I ingest so much stuff on YouTube and I can tell like, my younger 16 year old brother and his friends about like long-term investing. And if I think that connection right there is crucial because that's why I think I'm the average investor because I try to relate to everyone, yeah. not just the people that are going to see the, the wheel strategy of trading options and like really specific things. Like not everyone wants to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like people are like, how can I build wealth? And I'm like, well, you, you can, this is what I did in my six or seven steps. Um, so I think 
I think that's where I sit in the, the market of like the niche is like, I want to be like the normal person that when you jump on my live, like I'm not going to blast you with these like crazy finance things. And like, even me personally, I don't, I'm not like a genius on that side of things, but like I try to ingest higher level of knowledge and try to present it in a way that everyone could, you know, ingest it is where I think I sit in it. But if you're, if you're thinking about starting something, absolutely start because you have no idea where it's going to be in the next year is what I always think. Yeah. I mean, I, when you're making content, like, like you said, within the personal finance community, it's, you, it'll be more beneficial if you're a, a human about it. If you are just like normal, if you're nice, if you're, you know, no one's perfect, no one has a down pat. We're all learning. That's personal finance. Like there's always something to learn. Like w- with me, with this podcast, it's much less me showing people what to do and more so me learning and being like, this is what I learned and having guests on like you and being and being like, what do I do? And then my listeners reciprocating that to themselves and being like, okay, so he's asking these questions. These are the questions that I w- would ask if I had the podcast. It's, it, it's supposed to relate to people my age. If a beginner investor was listening to this episode right now, list off just a couple of steps that they could take to begin building long-term wealth. So like investing, saving, learning how to budget, stuff like that. Yeah, first off is... I'm not, you know, a financial licensed advisor. So I'm thinking it now, if I were to restart personally, what I wish I knew, like when I started and the key, the key word that you just threw in, even in the question is long-term wealth. How do I build long-term wealth? That right there is like a mile above, like pretty much the general norm of trying to get that quick cash. So if you're already thinking long-term, you're already ahead of the, 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 the masses, but what I personally would do if I started over was first focusing on my mindset. If I was like not to recommend any books, I'd focus on my mindset on two things, being disciplined and being patient. Being disciplined is how you're going to be able to get the money from your nine to five job, from your side incomes, siphoning it into your income. I mean, sorry, into your um, investment, you know, brokerage account, Roth IRA, 401k. That right there takes discipline. The next part is, pa- is patience thinking long-term, not looking into these meme stocks blowing up and being like, I got to YOLO everything. I got to <laughs> do this. I got to do this. Like that FOMO will tear you down. Oh yeah. Thinking long-term, being patient, not panic selling when the market's dipping, thinking in a 10 to 20 to 30 to 40 year mindset, that right there, you're already above the masses. But I personally would go research all different types of brokerages out there. I personally use Vanguard, Fidelity, M1 Finance, Charles Schwab, they're all great. Go do which one and see which one you think is the easiest to use and the one that is going to get you investing. And me personally, I like index funds and ETFs. I 94% of my portfolio is index funds. Literally, I just have the auto invest every single month, pull it out, pull it out. Then the next percentage is cryptos. I've been in cryptos since 2017. So I like the blockchain technology. Um, I really do like that. And then I have like a a half a percentage on go and risk it. So you don't have to worry about the fear of missing out. I'm like, if this gets burned away, then now I know what it was like. But instead of yoloing all hundred percent of it in there, I, I wouldn't fail because, you know, if, I mean, if I was putting all hundred percent and it all burned to the ground, I'd be crying tears. But <laughs> I, I <laughs> but if I'm only playing with, half a percent of my portfolio, then if that burns, it's okay. Now I know that that was stupid. Um, but I really think finding a brokerage account that you're comfortable with starting, 
just starting, opening up a retirement account like a Roth IRA, or if your employer offers a 401k and a 401k match, those are free money. Free money, you should take advantage of that. And your Roth IRA, first goal is just max it out every single year. And I think if you're doing that, you can go to a compound interest calculator and just be mind blown on what you think it would look like 45 years later down the line. But that's what I would say, just the first three steps, find a brokerage account, um, open up a Roth IRA, try to max it out. Those three things, not making it over complicated. I think those three things will put you so far ahead of the general masses. Um, but that's what I would tell myself looking at myself four years ago or three and a half years ago when I started investing, that, that's what I would do. I think that that is completely valid, completely awesome. And if I were to add anything to that, it would be uh, that part that you talked about, if this burns away, it won't crush me. And I think that taking that approach to legitimately any security that you ever invest in, you will never be disappointed because it's like, you know, arguably index funds, mutual funds, retirement date funds, whatever, they are less volatile, they're less risky. But if you come at those with that approach, you still won't be crushed. It's like, because they obviously fluctuate, they go up and down too. And, you know, investing in the market is risky at any time. But if you come into it with that mindset of like, all right, I'm going to put $200 for the month. If I lose that $200, I could afford it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be depressed about it. It's going to be fine. And I, that's at least what I do. Uh, when I invest in my Roth, that's how I think that's literally where I go mentally. I'm like, okay, I'm putting in this amount, you know, I try to max it out 500, but, um, I'm like, if I lose this $500, am I going to be upset about it? And usually it's a no, cause it's like an index fund or a mutual fund or something like that. Right. Um, but just taking that mindset into any sort of investing real estate, Bitcoin, whatever else, not that I'm recommending Bitcoin at all, but um, having that <laughs> mindset, I feel like we'll just, you'll never be let down because you'll be in complete control the whole time. Yes. And I think having um, the, really my foundation of like, if I could recommend two books, I will teach you how to be rich by Ramet Sethi. It's like the, the, the guide of, you know, building wealth and then backing up what he's saying is the little book of common sense investing by John C. Bogle, guy that made Vanguard and made index funds. That book like shaped my mindset of like index funds. Now I'm like, I only will eat, breathe, eat and sleep index funds. But he even throws in at the end of it, it's always good to have a little bit of fun money because the fun money, like that little portion of your portfolio, now you don't have to say, what if? Now it's like, try it. But if it burns away, like you mentioned, like, yeah, it's not gonna be the coolest thing in the world, but like, now, you know, like last week I was like, uh, or no, it's actually on Tuesday and I don't recommend this to anyone, but I was like, I've never tried a short-term option on Tesla. Let me try it. And it somehow paid off, like got a 100% return in two hours. And I was sitting oh, there wow. like, there's no freaking way, but <laughs> that that's super risky. Don't oh, yeah. like, I don't recommend that to anyone whatsoever, but mm -hmm. now I don't have that question of in my mind. Like, I think people are always like, but what if I tried it? What if I did this? And then they end up burning all their money away. If you have that little bit of fun money and you have that mountain of security and that, that stability behind you on long-term investments, then that half a percent of your portfolio isn't going to, you know, keep you up at night. Mm -hmm. So I tried that. Like I'm, I will openly say that, but again, the mindset is long-term patience and discipline. That's like as simple as it gets. After all these finance books that I read, I always come down to, it's either they were talking about patience or they were talking about discipline mm. in whatever book that I'm reading. And I think those are like the two main themes for me personally. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. And, but with Robinhood, uh, you know, new investors have become increasingly fearless in this market, in the options market. And, uh, you know, they have access to this 
these absolutely monstrous amounts of leverage, uh, do you see this as a positive or negative? Like, do you see this as people being able to scratch that itch in options? Or do you just see this as like arguably detrimental to what investing stands for for 17, 18, 19 year olds? Because for most people my age, I feel like that's what they see investing as. But that's trading. That's gambling. Yes. Investing is long term. It's believing in what you're investing in. It's understanding what you're investing in. But do you see this as a positive or negative? People my age having access to all this leverage. Overall, I think it's a negative. Um, as an umbrella statement, I think it is negative. But for the one touch of light that you that you pointed out, you know, asking the question is learning your lesson. I think if you learn your lesson early on. And you were like, I mean, that options play that I just did on Tuesday or Thursday. No, it was Tuesday. I think I can't remember exactly, but that right there, if that was my first trade and, I, and it went hundred percent increase. Now I'm like, Oh, I was smart. I timed the market. I can do this again. That is just not the case. It's like 99 with a 0.9 bar, just infinite. That is luck. Like I had no idea. I don't know how to read charts. I don't know how to do any of that all luck. And I was just sitting there in awe, like looking like that's going to pay my rent. Like how the heck did that even happen? Um, but you, if I did the same play and it burned, I lost all hundred percent, then you would probably not do it again. It's like touching a stove that's on fire. Like I won't do that again. That did not feel good. Um, and I think that right there can teach people to trade, you know, to go from the trading mindset to maybe an investing mindset. But I just, I'm scared, especially now you can like trade on margin with like leverage. Like you can go in such a terrible spiral if you miss. And that's like, just like scares the bejeebus out of me. And like on TikTok, that's what's pushed. Like you, I'm like scrolling here and it's like, dude, I just YOLO'd my way into AMC and got like a 6,000% return. And first of all, in my mind, I'm like, good for you. Like, first of all, nice. Like that's sick. Like, absolutely. But if you missed, because I think it's like 90% of people are going to miss on that and 10% are going to hit. For the 90% that miss, I just feel for them, especially if they're trading all of their savings like on margin, like you are going in a hole there. So that part is, is terrifying. So as an umbrella statement, the trading mindset, especially the flashiness of it, grabs a lot of people's attention. And I think it's negative. I think that part is negative. The one touch of light is like, I tried options and it failed. Won't do that again. Now I'm focusing now that like when you got burned, then you're like, I might as well throw a hundred dollars in my Roth after that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like to like cover your tracks. <laughs> that's like, that's like the, I guess the, the positive of it. But for everyone that's out there trading is like, I'm too, like, I'm not smart enough to do it, nor do I want to sit at my screen all day and pray that a green candlestick is going to build. Like you sitting there holding on to like your keyboard isn't going to do anything. It's like it, you might as well go to a roulette table and just red or black there. Um, and that's like, that's how I see trading, honestly. And I think anyone that is telling you you can make money really quickly, they're either lying to you or there's too much risk involved. You'll, you're putting everything on the table. And if they're like, you, I, I can teach you how to day trade in a week. No, like you can give them, you know, hundred dollars and it might double or you burn it. Like that's like the risk that's on the table. So I always think the long-term play is the smarter one and it's way less risk. When I look through TikTok comments, I see, you know, diamond hands and rocket emojis and all, all this craziness. And it's like, uh, you know, 
I, they're talking about buying these meme stocks at a discount. And it's like, is it really a discount? It just, it was inflated for a week. It's back down to where it was. You're buying it at a discount. Like there's no, there's no reason why it should go back up. So it's like, why would you consider that buying it at a discount? That's just 100% gambling. Like you are yes. hoping that it goes up, which is fine. It's trading, whatever it's your money, but it's like, there's no guarantee. There's, you don't have any assurance that it will go up. So you know, going off of that, do you think that these meme stocks are here to stay? Do you think that there are still going to be these, you know, uh, these trading groups that just come in with all of this buying power of, you know, Robinhood traders or, or whatever? Uh, do you think that they're here to stay? And Yeah. Um, one side of me wants them to stay only on the entertainment standpoint, because I really do find it super entertaining. I think it's really funny. Um, I have a buddy that literally flipped over his money from like a thousand to 17 grand in a couple hours. And I'm like, that's so entertaining. That's awesome. Good for you. But like the entertainment standpoint, like I love to like watch it. I think it's cool that this type of thing is happening in terms of like, will it stay as like a long-term strategy? Like I, I don't even know what like the regulations are going to be around it. Like, I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, it seems like too good to be true, but again, like for those people that do it and they're like in these Reddit things, 10% are going to just go to the moon. 10% are going to have some massive place, but then for the 90% that just burn to the ground, like my heart just goes out to them. I think it's terrifying. So I think every single time the people are like failing, like people think it's funny. It's like meme. It's cool. Like Elon Musk was in it. Like that's just wild to even think about, but like, I think after loss, after loss, after loss for some people, I feel like they're going to back away from that burning stove. And I'm also curious to see like what the regulations are. Um, to be completely honest, in the first run, like the completely, after GameStop really blew up, AMC was next and I had, you know, some disposable income that I'm like, I want to like, let's just see what's going to do it. This is like that little, that little fun money that I was going to throw at it. And I did it and they like froze the, they froze all the trades. And I was like, ah, that's, that makes sense. Like I was like, I was waiting for something like that to happen. Um, so I'm curious to see, and I know that was just really focused on Robinhood and I know like they were getting smacked for that. So I don't know if it's going to be a bigger, you know, federal, you know, maybe I guess recommendation or like an actual, you know, legality behind it to yeah. say like, you can't do this anymore. So I have no idea. For, again, some of me wants to just keep it going just for the entertainment. Um, but then also some of me or most of me is like, please God, don't throw hundred percent of your portfolio in this, because if you keep doing that, all those people that are losing, it's not going to be here to stay. If they're all just consistently losing. We are, we're coming to the end of this program. Uh, so is there anything that you want to plug your YouTube, your TikTok, anything else? Yeah. Uh, first of all, definitely make sure you're following both of us on TikTok. Obviously, if you're probably coming from TikTok, well, if you're coming from my TikTok, definitely go follow this podcast. Make sure you're adding this to your workout playlist. Make sure you're, you're to your cleaning playlist, whatever it might be. Make sure you're just plugging and getting this information in your head, um, as well as following your TikTok. Uh, besides that, just the YouTube channel. That's the only thing. Um, the Average Investor YouTube channel. Go check that out. I'm going to be posting two to three times a week. So go check that out. I think I'm going to be putting out the most amount of value on that. But besides that, just keep staying tuned. Hopefully, I'll be on some more of these episodes later down the future. Absolutely. I, I appreciate you coming on so much. It's been awesome. Absolutely, man. I enjoyed it. Thank awesome. you. Thank you. I really hope you guys loved that episode with Max. This was definitely one of the most fun ones that I've ever had to record. 
um it was it was such a great privilege to be able to talk to him you know talking to anyone in the tiktok personal finance page it's it's almost uh like looking at yourself like where you want to be like max is literally the embodiment of what people my age want to do what we all want to be we you know hustling being able to quit our nine to five being able to leverage our work ethic stuff like that having side hustles investing he is literally the embodiment of what it means to hustle what it means to work hard um and if you guys enjoyed what he had to say which i doubt any of you did not um then absolutely go follow him on tiktok go check him out on youtube um he's one of my favorite creators on tiktok like i said in the episode when he followed me back uh like two or three months ago i lost my mind and uh you know it, it would obviously mean a lot to me uh, if you checked him out because you know having a guest on here it just it, it goes a long way to show them uh show them some love for coming on um so yeah definitely check him out on tiktok check him out on youtube um and if you are on apple podcasts and liked this episode please give it a review give it a rating it helps boost the podcast in the algorithm uh it would mean so so much to me and um i will see you guys next oh yeah max is a part of the 98 cent club now so <laughs> i will see you guys next week thank you for listening Nervously and purposely, I never really know just exactly what to say. She got me geeking on the low. Lady, lady, baby, baby, lately, lately, I've been thinking, I've been looking. Lately, I've been looking at myself in third person. Now I finally see it's hard to see that I've been hurting.